Welcome to the Propane Business Podcast. I'm Johnny. And I'm Yusuf. We set up and built propanefitness.com into the profitable semi-automated system that it is today, which allowed us to quit our corporate jobs and coach online full-time. More importantly, we were able to do this without a huge online audience or being glued to social media every day. We're now ready to share everything from the failures we've made to the systems that now consistently generate hundreds of thousands in revenue. We help personal trainers, coaches, and gym owners do the same by avoiding the mistakes we've made and the best practices going forward. Subscribe to this podcast to learn what we're doing and what we've done to build and scale propanefitness.com. We'll be teaching you how to generate a steady flow of online clients, win at Facebook ads, automate your coaching systems, and to achieve financial independence. Good morning, my friends. We are here today with Jose Rosado. He is a web developer, graphic designer, now turned internet marketer and helping freelancers break free from the nine to five. You may have noticed if you're watching this on YouTube that his setup puts mine to shame. What a beautiful (laughs) minimal setup you've got there. I've hobbled together like a weird desk lamp that's in my face and just so that I don't look quite like a goblin today. Jose, thanks for coming on. <laughs> no, thank you, man. It's quite a simple... By the way, it's quite a simple setup. I just have a, like something... I don't know. It's like a gray background with some lights right there, I, I, as you can see. So it's very, it's very simple. And it cost me like, I don't know, like $150, $200 to put it on. So it's not that extravagant, but it looks very cool for the money. So people... Let's get into this right now. It's the perfect like metaphor for what we're going to be talking about. People think that most of the things are too hard to achieve. What you're doing right now, it's very simple. Just a backdrop with a RGB light that cost me like $50. Simple. The thing is that before I learn how to make this look like this, I was going crazy. How can I make my videos look better? How can I... What lights should I be buying? Should I invest a thousand dollars or a hundred dollars on that little light? Man, I just then I realized, Jose. Okay, you have the budget to buy the the highest quality stuff, but why are you going to do to invest so much money on an experiment? Start small and slowly and steady. Start buying more stuff that makes your setup look cooler. And that's how I got started. I bought this microphone, a shore, whatever. They call it the legendary phone, a, a microphone. It was like, I don't know, I don't know, like $300, some, something like that. But it was not my first microphone. My first microphone cost like $50. And everything else I've achieved in my life, it's a slow and steady process. And when I'm talking about slow, I'm not talking about it took me years to achieve this. It took me like one year to make this thing look like this because I started slowly and steady. The same thing applies for freelancing or for coaching or for what you do, which is helping fitness coaches make sell their coachings online and find clients and stuff like that. This totally makes sense. And there's a lot of parallels. We, we get loads of people that are like, oh, mate, I'm setting up a, a podcast and I've got a logo and I've got like a directional microphone that costs $2,000. I got my DSLR and I've spent ages in the plant shop, like picking the right plants for my background. And you're like, oh, okay, how many episodes have you recorded? And they're like, zero. So it's definitely a form of procrastination, I think, when people go overboard with this stuff compared to what you've done there by the looks of it, which is the minimum effective dose to, to look good. And you can even argue that 
the more minimal, the better, because then it means that you are the focus of the, the content. And uh, rather than having to like compensate with loads of fancy production stuff, if what you have to say is good enough, then people are going to tune in even if you're filming on a potato. You are 100% correct, Yusuf. And that reminds me of a, a website called Potato Parcel or Parcel. I never know how to pronounce that, that name. They sell engraved potatoes for $20 a piece. Okay? Think about this. If a company can sell potatoes for $20, something that spoils like in two days, what makes you think you cannot sell something online, which is, in my opinion, more valuable? Of course, there's value in the entertainment of giving someone a potato with their face engraved <laughs> on the potato. That's like a, a, a very practical prank, a two-day prank, because it, it will spoil unless they, they, they boil it and eat it. <laughs> But think about this. People found the value on a freaking potato with your face engraved on top of, on its, lar uh, on its outer skin. What makes you think that in this case, your audience, coaches, fitness coaches, health experts, people that work in the diet, health, wellness industry, whatever. What makes them think or makes you think the listener that you cannot sell your coaching online? What makes you think people will not find value in your services when people do find value in a freaking engraved potato with your face. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. I, like there's a big lesson in there for sure. I, that's also going to be the first thing that I buy after this podcast. For my, for my the, po the, the, the potato? <laughs> I think the one thing that's missing in her life right now is a potato with her face on it at Christmas. <laughs> that, that's for your, for your kids or for your... Um, eh? That's, that's going to be my girlfriend's Christmas present. Oh, man. Just a potato. She'll with a love face. you forever and she'll <laughs> never forget you. That reminds me of, of my dad. He's not like a big, let me, re, let me give my wife, meaning her, his wife, my mom, uh, big gifts and stuff like that. And one day he had the marvelous idea <laughs> of giving my mom, I think it was on her birthday or on Mother's Day or something like that, which is a big deal in my family, a cactus. Till this day, that was like 10 years ago. Till this day, my family still bullies my dad for the freaking cactus that he gave my mom. But still, it was a try. And my mom, mom never, ever shames my dad. My other family members, yes, they do that. But my mom never does that. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. He tried and he didn't get shamed by my mother. When you are getting into this online business stuff and you're getting into selling your coaching online and stuff like that, you might feel a little bit of, oh, I don't want to do it because maybe people will shame me into submission of not trying to do that. But my dad did his best effort <laughs> to give my mother something to make her feel good, even though she doesn't like cactuses. <laughs> cacti, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, in, is, is yeah, the cactus cacti, still alive? Yeah. I think so. You, you don't need They're to water it. So it's it. the perfect gift, man. <laughs> uh, just like my mom never did that, never shamed my dad. He, she, I think she laughs internally. People online will not do that. Some of them will do, but that's like tiny minority. For every hater that you have, you ha you'll have a thousand people like my mom that will respect the effort, that will see, oh, okay, at least this person is trying. And the next time, You won't be giving up cactus. You'll be giving something more valuable, at least if you're my dad. Sorry, go mm -hmm. ahead. No, no. Yeah. Uh, so I was going to say this is a great place to start then because 
um, on the giving the cactus, for example, or, or giving someone a, a potato with their face on. It's quite a it's a memorable polarizing thing to to do, and it's going to cause a reaction, whether it's positive or negative. It's gonna it's going to cause a ripple in some way. Uh-huh. And I've seen you grow your Twitter audience from three thousand followers, I think, when I first found you to 48 trillion followers right now Um, (laughs) and the journey has been incredible but it's seeing that there are often things which i've got a smallish twitter account i'm slowly growing it using actually your course it's the only thing i've ever bought on gumroad and it was well worthwhile is recommended from jack but i've found that when i post something that is a bit polarizing pisses a few people off rustles a few jimmies those are the tweets that get the most followers. I posted something yesterday that upset quite a few people saying that, I think it said, imagine calling yourself a strength expert and benching two plates. Oh, like, that was you. That was me. Oh, that was <laughs> you. I, I, yesterday I was reading my feed and I read that. Sometimes Twitter updates automatically and it just re- removes all the tweets that you see there. And I'm like, I want to read that tweet. And I started scrolling down, trying to find the uh, the, the, the tweet, but I did it. it and it was bulb. you. It, yeah, I remember the tweet. I wanted to read it, but I never, I just, uh, I didn't find it. So but I, I didn't I, see I, who was tweeting. You were the tweeter. I, oh, I, I, nice. I was that naughty tweeter causing havoc. But it's so interesting because that immediately got me a couple of hundred followers. Yeah. Loads of likes, people arguing in the comments and mostly because of the brevity of Twitter, it's, you can only say a, f- a few things in one tweet. They pick out the most extreme opposite cases where, oh, but what about this Olympic coach who didn't do... So you're saying that... Always. Yeah, that's, that's the cognitive dissonance making them think that you said something that you didn't. So they're arguing with their misinterpretation of what you are saying. That's, Absolutely. that's commonplace on Twitter and social media. And... You're not actually being polarizing for the sake of being polarizing. It's your thoughts. And when you say your thoughts online and you say it out loud and you say it in an entertaining and captivating way, people will, some of them will go mad and will start talking crap about your stuff. But that's okay. It's part of being authentic. And I actually even though I'm not... As a, as a golden yeah. thread, I think when that happens, you're like, oh, I've touched a live wire there on the internet. Like something people feel strongly about this and you, you get divided responses and it stimulates a, a conversation. You're like, ah, okay. So that is the way. And I learned this from your course, at least in terms of the stylistic component of Twitter, which is that you, if you just post really tame, nuanced, restrained thoughts, it's going to get washed away along with the along with the the mass of other information that people are seeing. So if you want to include nuance, you include it in the comments and in the discussion below. But you do have to play the game a bit of having a a strong headline. I totally agree. And some people start talking about their ideas in a way that it's offensive. This is not what we're talking about. It's not about offending people just to make them feel something. It's not about that. For example, when you're talking with your friends, how do you usually talk with them? You go full hyperbole with them. You don't say to your friends, I think that maybe if you could do this or if you could do that. No, you tell them, like, dude, this is what you need to do. And if you avoid that, you're going to get 
destroyed by the government or by the taxes or by the coach or by whatever. That's how you talk with your friends, right? Yeah. If you talk like that online, you will certainly get people reacting to the, to to what you say. Now, to any coach that might be listening to this, it's not about again making people mad at you or offending people just for the for getting off on it. On it, it's not about that. If you think something, you say it. You don't have to, let's say, censor yourself in order to convey your ideas. Censorship is is not well received online. Because at the end of the day, what do you want to achieve when you're online? You want to gain traction to your ideas. Because if you are a normal human being, you think that your ideas are the best ideas in the world. Maybe they're not, but (laughs) you do think that they are good ideas. So why not talk about these ideas that you have in a way that is entertaining for you, for your audience, for your people, while avoiding offending people? Now, how do you actually achieve that? How do you actually convey your ideas in a way that's entertaining, in a way that gets people's attention, in a way that unfortunately can offend some people, but you won't be doing it for the sake of offending? It's very simple. I just told you a couple of minutes ago. Talk or record videos or write as if you were writing to a friend. That's all you have to do. How do you speak to your friends? How do you speak to your family members? Emulate that behavior that you have around the people that you trust and transmit that online and see what happens. See what happens. That's a really important distinction as well. That optimizing just for offense and just for outrage is that's just trolling. That's just and um, it's easy to do. It's very easy to do. Anyone can do that. Yeah, you can piss whoever you want off online. But I think what you're saying here is that <clears throat> you have to have you have to be clear on your values and your ideals and your recommendations and obviously your area of expertise and you speak authentically about it. And yes, in doing so, it will turn some people off, but it will also turn other people on. And trying to please everyone all the time and being really tame and vanilla, which is what we used to do years ago, I think back in 2008, 2009, when we set up Propane, we tried to include every possible caveat in our content to try and not not upset anyone. And it doesn't get much traction. <clears throat> and the thing that comes to mind actually is that this very simple heuristic you've given of speak as if you were speaking to your friends. Very easy to do. Doesn't require any overthinking. And it's the same way that you would make friends in real life. At least it's the way you should make friends in real life. So if somebody is... If you meet someone and you're not sure if you have common ground and you're, oh, where are you from? Oh, that's nice. And everything's trying. All you're doing is prolonging the process of you guys actually figuring out if you're going to get on or not. Whereas if you're just authentic from the beginning, you're a bit weird, you're a bit silly. Yeah, it might turn (laughs) them off. But also if the person's actually, I really like this guy, you've accelerated that process. You've saved everyone the time. So I think the same process is just going on online as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you said something very important that took me a long time to realize. When I first started writing online, I remember that I, like you with your business, Propane, I tried to add all of this nuance to my writing that it just made my writing bland. By using these nuanced words, some people, maybe, if you do this, all of those little words just make your stuff not worth reading. Because at the end of the day, what do you stand for? 
If you stand for something, you will not say maybe do that. You'll say, "Look at me, mother. Do you have to do that if you want to achieve X, Y, or C." It's not all slunched down. Look, uh, guy, uh, maybe if you do this, this, that. Imagine you are a coach. How would you feel? No, imagine someone is coaching you. How would you feel if the coach is like, "Hey, Yusuf, um, yeah, if you want bigger biceps, you should um, yeah, go grab those little tiny dumbbells and lift them like this." And yeah, yeah, yeah. you will not trust that freaking coach. But if this guy comes high energy, hey, um, Jose, come here. Good. Take those dumbbells, dumbbells, lift them, do it. Here's like you, here's how you do it. Bam, 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 bam. It's way different. You just transmitted the confidence that you have in what just being a little bit more uplifting, talking a little bit faster, using more energetic words, man, and using those little, I don't know how to say it in English, man, still, my English sucks. But uh, you understand what I'm saying. Absolutely, yeah. I You're guess. employing so, these, these things as tactics to, to get yeah, the message across. And I think absolutely. this is definitely where the gap falls with a lot of PTs who are moving online, which is that they know their stuff. Like a lot of the people we work with, like they, they really do know how to get results for people. But they have a sense of imposter syndrome. They're afraid to put themselves out there because, as you said, afraid of the, the mythical haters. Or the, But as a result, they curb all of their recommendations and don't get any traction. Now, yes, of course, there is the opposite problem. And there are people who have all of the hubris with none of the, the knowledge. And that's, that's a different kind of topic. But I think we have to assume people have the insight to recognise the difference. And... People can see through if someone is just all hot air. Just assume that your audience and the people that follow you and that read you are smart. Really. Just do that. Just do that. If you assume that they're dumb, you're, you're actually going to attract dumb people. And you don't want dumb people following you. You want to love your followers. Here's something I, I learned. You can never negotiate with a dumb person. Why? Reason number one. They cannot be reasoned with. And reason number two, they're dumb. <laughs> you cannot, you just can't. That's the absolute truth. So if you want to attract dumb people, treat your following and people online like they're dumb. And you will certainly attract these, this energy. That's just an unquestionable fact. You attract what you, what you want to attract. Okay? And you do that by your, with your actions. If you're acting in a way that attracts dumb people, you will attract a lot of dumb people. Always assume that they're smart and treat them as if you truly knew they're smart. It's how you pay respect to them. You respect your audience by treating them in the most, if they were like Einstein or whatever. That, that's how you do it. Always assume they understand what you're talking about. You, you're right. It's a matter of respect because they are respecting you by paying with their time to listen to you, to, to read your stuff. And it's very obvious. I think a lot of people think they can pull the wool over the eyes of their audience, but it's it's very obvious if someone doesn't respect or is trying to trying to delude their their audience. Yeah, I think that the, there's two very practical heuristics in what you've just said, or three, which is be authentic, speak to people as if they are your friends, but assume that they are intelligent and start from that that place. And 
we spoke man, you with, can make uh, a living summarizing stuff, man. You are like the the ultimate sum, the ultimate, ultimate summarizer. summarizer in the world, man. <laughs> that's a that's a very good ability to have. I've been into into a couple of podcasts, not not many, and it, it, people don't usually know how to summarize. You're very good at that. The other guys are like very good, but you're like the absolute best <laughs> person at so, summarizing what I've been saying, and I love it, man. I, we're going to record more podcasts later oh, on. Let's, because let's do I love I'll, you I'll just simplify my words. I love it. <laughs> this is I think that's what med school does to you. You have to they, they describe studying medicine as uh, drinking from a fire hose and it's uh-huh. just you just have to assimilate as much information as you can and quickly order it while it's still being ass blasted by it. It's definitely a skill that you get forced to pick up. We spoke Beautiful to skill. Danny Miranda uh, a few weeks ago on the podcast, I think as well. And yeah. he was echoing your sentiment there of both from a practical algorithmic Twitter internet level, but also from a metaphysical level that the energy you put out is what you receive in return. And I think this this comes down to personal congruence, not only in the way you communicate, but in what your actual underlying intention is. And at the end of the day, I think we we're too... We're too perceptive as humans to allow inefficiencies in the market to remain there. Do you get what I see, what I'm saying? Absolutely, absolutely. In summary, you attract what you work for. There we go. (laughs) I'm also the ultimate summarizer. So (laughs) anyhow, I I want to talk a little bit more about personal branding and how to actually build an audience of loyal people, of people that will actually wage war for you online, not in real life. They, they won't go like to a war to, to, to destroy the, the, the enemies. Because in, in, let's face it, how many enemies do you actually have? Not many. I think if, not, people, if people legitimately say they have enemies, then I think there's something wrong. Like they've cast themselves in some kind of fantasy novel. Yeah, and, and I think that people just confuse haters and critics with enemies. They are not your enemies. Unless they want to destroy you, they are not your enemies. And to gain enemies, you have to work really hard to gain enemies or be in politics. But in the fitness world, you won't get a lot of enemies. Maybe haters and people that hate your content and hate your stuff, which is totally fine. If no one is hating what you're doing it wrongly, that's how it is. But there's something about the fitness community and the health and wellness community that I just don't see an easy path to gain enemies. Haters, of course, man. Because, for example, you have vegans and you are, and you have carnivores. Dude, these people are crazy to kill each other. They but in a metaphorical a- way, they won't actually kill each other, you know? But you have these two polarizing diets. One is only eat vegetables and one is only eat red meat, for example. It's okay. I can see both arguments. But personally, I prefer to be in the middle. I'm more in the meat side, but I eat my vegetables from time to time and my carbs because, man, carbs are good. Tastes <laughs> eating your plate of spaghetti and 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 meatballs and with a little bit of pesto if you, if you can do that. Or, or man, that's just just too good. Anyhow, so how do you actually build a personal brand with fitness? The beauty of that niche is that it belongs to one of the three most hungriest markets in the world. Health, wealth, relationships. Health. 
the fitness niche is within the health domain. Health, anything that needs, uh, that talks about wellness, about diet, about strength training, about what else, man? Nutrition, about medicine, about doctors, nurses, chiropractors, well, all of that crap. Okay, this is it. And and this year as well, the, I think the health and the fitness industry have almost started to to combine and have idea sex because of the. Oh, it reminds me of what's this guy's name? Altucher, idea sex. James uh, okay. Altucher. Interesting. Yeah, but because of suddenly we're all thrown into the unknown, the medical community has limited evidence on COVID and everyone's looking at, okay, what are the preventative strategies that I can use to optimize my immune response for that? And that's opened up a huge market. Obviously, a lot of charlatans would quickly enter that, that niche, but it certainly shows that there is a hungry demand for that. And it will always be in demand because it's one of the... It belongs to one of the three main markets, health, wealth, relationship. Health, in all honesty, health is one of the most profitable industries there are. Because everyone wants to be healthy. The thing is that they want to be healthy, simple way, easy way. They don't want to stop eating their Oreos and their Doritos. They want to go to their parties and, and drink their booze, but they don't want to, they don't want to get fat. They don't want to get obese. They don't want to develop all of these illnesses that you can develop out of eating all of that junk food. So how can you, a professional coach or fitness expert, a wellness expert, someone who, who tries to teach people how to gain back their health, can use this to your advantage? Simple, man. Simple. What are, let's say, three big things you would like to solve inside your industry? You choose three big topics that you want people to know you about. This is like a, the foundation of your online business, of your brand and all of that crap. Okay. Choose these three things that you are very good at. You don't have to be the top world expert, but be good enough that people can pay attention to you and that you feel comfortable talking about these three main topics. Of course, you can talk about more stuff, but you want people to know you for these three things. And out of these three things, what are you best at? Make sure that one of these is like the main topic. Okay. And talk about these three big ideas that you have and make sure that people, when they say Yusuf, they understand what your, what your brand is about. In your case, you help uh, health, health, you help fitness experts with their. Uh, online career, help them like main coaching and stuff like that. So that's at least my perception. So it seems that I'm correct. And you're doing a, a good job at conveying that idea. So we can use that, what I just told you, for personal branding. Talk about this three big things. Let's say you are someone who teaches people how to lose weight without taking off all of the Oreos and Doritos. Dude, here's a polarizing idea that you can say. You can eat Doritos all day long. Here's how to do it to not gain weight. And you talk about that. And then you, of course, proceed to add a little bit more nuance and tell them like, slowly start reducing the intake of Doritos and use this instead, a more healthy alternative. I like That's the way how you, say you do it. Doritos. Hey, it's in Spanish, Doritos. How do you say it in English? 
We butcher it. We just say Doritos, which is okay. In Spanish, it's Doritos. Doritos. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, Doritos. Um, one one of the one of the most powerful headlines, and it's always evergreen, is how to X without Y. And exactly the description you just mentioned there is how we had a webinar a while ago for our fitness product called how to eat Haribo cheesecake and Pringles, (laughs) how to gain muscle while eating Haribo cheesecake and Pringles. So yeah, like that, it's always a very, oh, I can still get to do the thing while doing the things that I enjoy. So I I like this idea of having three hills to plant your flag on because it's wide enough for multiple audiences. You're not super niched. But it also and it gives you a rounded branding, but it also allows you to pick less well-served parts of the market and simplifies your message. So I think that absolutely makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. And if you want to make your message even more powerful than what it is, speak to the person that you want to attract as a client. Let's say that you want to attract business people high-performing business people, which I highly encourage you to do that because they are the ones that pay good money. <laughs> they make the best, best clients, clients ever. Well. Yeah, yeah. You They'll know, pay like, you three, five, six, seven thousand $7,000 for your coaching easily, even if it's online. These people don't give a shit. If you can promise something to them, They'll pay whatever the price because they can afford it. So these are the best clients, high-performing business people, regardless of the gender. So talk to them. What are the main problems these people have? And I have a very simple methodology that I name Plan Zero Market Research uh, Method. It's a very simple market research um, methodology that will help you like understand the underlying problems, the needs, the desires, the objections, the anecdotes, meaning the comments that they usually uh, talk about online or with the family. And by understanding these ideas that your, your potential clients or the people that you want to attract to you have, you make it so much simpler for you to craft content, videos, text, images, photos, emails, whatever you want to create for you to position yourself as the person that helps that kind of people, that audience achieve the health success that you want to to help them achieve. And very simple, plan zero. It's an acronym for problems, language, anecdotes or comments or stories, and needs. And the zero is actually an O, obstacles or objections, okay? By finding this information online, you just Google it, man. Biggest struggles businessmen have in regards to fitness. You Google that and you start reading the forums and the blogs and the articles and find these problems, the language that they use, so you can speak with the same language that they use. And when I say language, I'm not talking about English or Spanish. In your case, for example, let's imagine that you are coaching a health expert, like a, um, a, a medic. Medics don't usually call their clients. They call them patients. So when you talk to these people, you won't say how to gain more clients. You will tell them how to gain more patients. Sure. You're using their language. You're substituting client for patient. And then do you position yourself as someone that actually understands what they're all about. So back to the thing. You find their language. You find their anecdotes, the stories, the ideas that they have. You Then easy. You turn the problems into needs. If I have a problem, I cannot lift 100 pounds deadlift. That's a problem, okay? What's the need? I want to be able to raise 100 pounds from the ground. 
So you can turn a problem into a need and you can just craft content. It could be the same content, but just by talking about it, in the first case, by solving the problem, you can create a whole new piece of content with the same information that you could create just by talking about how to achieve something. Solve this or achieve this. Same content. But if you change some of the words within that content, it's a different article. If it's a different purpose, if it's a different mission. So creating content for the online business, for the online world, for attracting the right kind of uh, people and clients, it's so simple, but people overcomplicate it. And let's go back, uh, let's say 20, 30 minutes ago, where I told you about this setup that I have. Okay, simple. Just a, a key light that I can, you know, click here and start changing the colors and making, making it look a little bit different. Okay. So it's very simple, as you can see. But it was, at first, I was overcomplicating the process. I wanted to have the best setup, the best microphone, the best key light, the best camera in front of me, the best light lighting behind of me, the best everything. And I forgot about their journey. I forgot about making things simpler for me. So by taking action on what, on what I just told you, finding the pains, the needs, the language, the anecdotes, the obstacles, the objections, your kind of people that you want to attract, by finding all of these information about them and crafting content that solves those issues and helps them achieve the goals that they have, you will certainly attract the right kind of the right kind of, of clients and audience and people that will adore your content. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. People don't care about who you are. They only care about the things you can help them achieve. If they think you can help them with something, they will certainly start respecting you and following you and paying attention to your message. But if you never ever talk about your ideas, you will never know if you actually have something good to say. And you will never know if... You will never experience the pleasure of helping someone achieve their health goals. Very well put. And this is exactly it. No one's watching you for your lighting, for how good your lighting is, unless you are a lighting expert and you sell lights that you put on walls in which case you're doing great. But if you're in the fitness niche, the, the, the plan zero, the problems, the needs, the aspirations, the fears, the desires, like that is what communicates with the heart of your audience. And what Jose is saying is so true. An example from one of our failures a few years ago when we were launching the a new angle on the propane protocol was me and Johnny had been going deep down the rabbit hole of copywriting for some time. And we basically, we used this long template and we thought we like spent two weeks really curating this, um, this advert for the new launch. And we put a couple of grand ad spend behind it and it just flopped. And we were like, what went wrong? Like we used the, the template and the formula and everything. And then the following week we put out a survey with a small ad, ad budget and just said, Hey guys, what's your biggest struggle with fitness? And we took the responses and fed them directly back in the same language, same phrasing verbatim, integrated into the next advert. And that one absolutely flew. People were commenting, being like, oh my God, you've read my mind. This is exactly me. And, and we're just thinking, these are words that we wouldn't have thought to use ourselves. It really works. And what Jose is talking about here and using the Plan Zero 
method, which I like, I'd never heard of that before, as your content engine, is the the easiest way to to nail that is to be the your audience, but a few chapters ahead. And I noticed that's what you do yourself. You used to be a freelancer and you've basically moved into scalable online income. And so you help freelancers do the same thing because of their problems intimately. You know what it's like to have a pain in the ass client and what it's like to underprice your services and to charge for low hourly rates and to try to compete on Upwork and um, all those kind of websites. So understanding that, it makes the whole process much easier because the problems that you were facing five years ago. And a, a big mistake that a lot of, say, like 25-year-old male PTs are making is that they're like, oh, I'm going to work with middle-aged postmenopausal women because that's where the money is. And you're like, what do you know about postmenopausal women? And why do you think they would would look at this 25-year-old guy and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna hire him? He understands what menopause is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> really hard. You can achieve it, but it's really hard to, 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 to do that. Maybe you could perform the ultimate market research and understand how to talk with them and how to convey your ideas in a way that they'll say, oh, that's me. But let, let's face it, man. People are attracted to people that look like them. That's the reality. That's the reality. That's the way it is. Okay. Now, I, I'm not telling you this to discourage you from trying to get clients from another race or from another gender or whatever. It's not about that. It's about making it easier for yourself. You don't have to go through the hard mode. You, you don't have to put the game in hard mode when there's an easy mode. <laughs> like really, don't be dumb. Don't be stupid. Take advantage of, of, of your unfair advantages. What are you really good at? Double, triple, fourthly down on, on that skill that you have or that, that ability that the universe gave you or God, if you believe in that. Use that as your unfair advantage. Maybe you were born into riches. Maybe your dad was a freaking millionaire. Dude, if he gives you permission to use his millions, use those millions to make more millions back. And don't give a crap about what any other person might think. Oh, he's just daddy's girls or whatever. Daddy's boys or whatever. Screw that. Your dad worked very hard to achieve that. And he's given you the opportunity to use whatever means he was able to, cap, to, 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 to attain to, your, to help you out. So that could be an unfair advantage. Maybe, for example, you... <laughs> let me tell you one of the... For example, in my case, I have chicken legs, okay? It's really hard for me to gain muscle mass on my legs. I cannot say the same for my upper body. I, I have... It seems that I have good genetics for my arms and for my triceps because I don't work them as hard and they're, they look better than my legs. And my legs, no matter how hard I work with them, it's always chicken leg. It's, it's almost impossible for me to, to make them look better because I just have really long uh, legs. And there's a point in the leg that you just cannot... You know, near your ankle and, and a little bit... On top of that, if that's really long, that it will stay like that like forever. I've just given up yeah. on calves. I'm just never going to wear shorts again in my life and then pretend. That <laughs> I'm almost okay. taking that decision. But my calves, for example, they can grow because there, there's enough muscle there. Unfortunately, below my calves, there, there's not a lot of muscle. So that's I'm, I'm screwed right there. So I don't have that on front advantage. But if you have big cal calves, 
that's an unfair advantage that you have. So make sure that people see your legs when you're taking photos of, of your body to attract people that want to have those kind of legs. And then you find a way to, I don't know, help them out a little bit, which is really hard. But with consistency and practice, you can at least help them a little bit because yeah, this, this, I understand that in fitness, genetics is a, has a big role, but you can overcome the lack of good genetics with a little bit of hard work. Yeah. And the thing about you leveraging the unfair advantage, I think it comes into the authenticity again as well, because if someone sees someone who's done well in the industry, like it, in terms of online PT, a lot of people try and imitate a guy called James Smith, who you might have, you might have heard of. He's a, he's a British guy who did some very polarizing videos, kind of short jump cuts and very kind of no bullshit attitude. And he did really well. And it, he did well because of who he is and because he's a charismatic, blunt kind of guy. People trying to emulate that are, are never going to do well because you're never going to be better than James Smith at being James Smith. So instead, go with what's authentic, even if it's not the, what Joe Wicks or whoever else is doing. And as a result, then you can start to discover what's worked, what hasn't, and then how can I double down on that? And sometimes it may not be obvious as well. It may just, it may be that you're running multiple platforms and you're like, oh, actually this one seems to generate loads of inquiries. And I didn't realize that. So right, fine, do more of that or do more variants of that content with different angles for the search mm -hmm. engine or for, for different sub niches within that audience. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you don't have to overcomplicate the process. At first you'll start thinking about Angle? What the hell is an angle? An angle is just how you present something, how you sell something. I would, for example, this phone has a good camera. You will not sell this phone to someone who cares about cameras by telling them this has a good camera. But maybe they prefer to have more memory. So what's the sell, the, the, the angle for these people? A massive and a massive uh, space, and you get unlimited cloud storage that will captivate their attention that's what we're talking about when we talk about angles you find what the people want and you make the core of your message around that thing thing that they want and you'll say now so how do i find that information i just gave you the trick the plan zero find their pains the problems find the language that they use Find the anecdotes, the comments, the idea, the stories that they use. Find the needs and find the obstacles and objections that they have. And provide an answer to all of these ideas that they have. Provide a solution to the problems. Provide a path to help them achieve their goals. And use their own words to, ca to catch their attention. That's the big one. So That's the money-making part. Using their own words. That is huge. So it, imagine you have got a window that keeps leaking bits of water down the thing and the wall is getting moldy and you're like, oh, it stinks and it's going to be expensive. To and then the double glazing guy comes to your house and he's, hey, so we've got these windows and they've got the state-of-the-art heat insulation thing and they're made of like bulletproof glass and he's going on for hours about how like strong the glass is. And you're like, mate, I don't care because I'm getting mold problems. What I want to know and what matters to me is water going to leak through the edge of the, the window or not. And so by him just spouting the features that he thinks are important about the product compared to speaking to the customer and listening to like, what's your need with this? What's the problem you're facing? And then being like, ah, okay, so here, this window has 
leak-proof sealant and whatever and, and pitching it to the, the features that matter most to the client. You're looking thoughtful, Jose. Yeah, you just gave me the best transition ever. The <laughs> best, like, you, really as, as, I don't know, playing basketball and someone gives you an assist and you just dunk it. You just gave me the best assist in the universe, man. <laughs> when you're talking about, when you were talking about the mold around the, yeah. in, the in the basement or whatever, and then this guy comes and try to sell you windows. <laughs> of course, you will not get the sale if you're the salesman selling the window to someone who is actually getting, has a need of removing the mold from his house. This is one of the biggest struggles I've seen coaches, regardless of their industry, and freelancers have when they're trying to pitch their services and land more clients. They are in such a hurry to close the deal that they sell something that their prospects don't need. Dude, if you are talking to someone who needs the formula to lose weight and the secrets of the universe to just remove all the, that, the, the love handles and the man boobs and the floppy biceps and triceps or whatever, if that person is talking to you about that, don't go and sell them strength training. Don't talk about lifting weights to these people. That is not what they want. They want to lose weight. And of course, uh, uh, strength training will help them lose weight. But that's not how you will sell this. Yeah. You will sell this in the following way. And I'll tell you because I have experience working with fitness experts and uh, fitness coaches, helping them with the... Very similar to what you do, but... That's not my main niche, but I've, I've certainly helped a couple of people scale their businesses in, in that niche. I'm actually working with one person that's in the fitness niche right now. So if they're telling you about they want to lose weight, provide them with a roadmap to actually achieve that. And you do that by detailing in a very simple way, in the simplest words that you can use, your process. And you do so by what I call the success pillars. I learned this two years ago about the success pillars of services, of, of your service. And I learned it because I was reading a, a sales script that a fitness guy sent me, which is ironic because we're talking about fitness right now. And I, I saw that and I'm like, oh, this is cool. I could certainly add the, the success pillars to my own pitch because it actually lets me showcase the value of my service, of my offer in such a way that it's easy to understand for the prospect without talking about the deep things of my service, without revealing the step-by-step -step process, without overcomplicating, without overwhelming the client with information. Then I got into a very expensive coaching. I paid $10,000, man, for a coaching. I had never imagined paying so much money for a coaching. And I saw them talking about the idea of success pillars. And they told me why it works. I knew that it worked because I tried it out, but they tell me why it worked. And let me tell you, the success pillars is nothing more than detailing your process in steps, three to four steps. So if you're in the fitness niche and you want to help people lose weight, what are the four steps or three steps? Let's just simplify it. That people need to take in order to lose that weight. You could say success better number one, a painless diet, just to say something like that. That's step number one, uh, Yusef. And 
here's the thing. You told me that you like Doritos. You told me that you like your cheesecake. I'm not in the business of telling you to stop eating that because you told me that you like Doritos very much because that's the thing that you like eating with your family, with your kids. And when you go eat on ice cream, you also dunk the Doritos in the uh, ice yeah, cream. I, Yuck. <laughs> so I, I, I don't have cereal in the morning, actually. I just have crushed Doritos with milk on. Beautiful, man. That's, Beautiful. That seems healthy like the best. <laughs> healthy breakfast, man. In as well. Oh, man. Beautiful, beautiful. So I will not take away that from you. Other coaches might do that, but I'm not in that business. What we're going to do is find a way to, to slowly substitute some of those stuff for more healthy stuff in such a way that you won't feel the diff- the, like the craving of eating Doritos. Slowly and steady. So that's step one. That's a success pillar of, of how I achieve success with my clients. Success pillar number two. Let's say that they, they have a lot of gut, uh, a big gut. The gut quencher, some shit like that. So the gut remover, so, <laughs> some, something like that. I don't know, man. You, you invent some cool ass name and you tell them, we're going to focus on reducing that fat that you have around your belly. And we're going to do that by following very simple uh, diet guidelines and using localized exercise to help you remove that. Now, the ethics about telling people that you can remove gut fat using localized exercises like crunches. I don't know if that's the correct term, but using like crunches and stuff like that. That's on you. That's on you. Some people think that works. Other people say don't. don't. I am in the game that thinks that it doesn't work. <laughs> I think that you need to reduce your calories and that will help you like uh, achieve yeah, so that. I but, agree. And, and, uh, only if it's used as a, a, a tactic to get someone's buy-in. So if it's just... oh, that's, you Your just, ethics, that's on you. I'm just, telling you the, I'm just telling you the game, okay? So then you proceed with step four. So I've, I've found that people who follow through the, the success pillars, especially uh, number three, whatever, where I will help you achieve X, Y, or C, I've noticed that they've been able to lose between 10 and 20 pounds in, I don't know, eight weeks or some, something like that. You have your own statistics about that. And you, provi- you just provide them with the value of your offer in such a way that it's so simple to understand, in such a way that for you, it's just a, a walk in the park to talk about it. And in such a way that it helps your prospect perceive your offer in a way that when you tell them, hey, this will cost you $5,000, they'll think, oh, this is undervalued because you presented the value of your offer in the most simple terms. And simplicity is good persuasion. The unfortunate part is that simplicity is hard to achieve. <laughs> so my advice to anyone that wants, wants to simplify their pitch is just iterate and start like taking notes. How many clients have I been able to coach with this pitch? Yeah, close with this pitch. Okay, I, I had 10 sales calls. I just closed one. Okay, there's something wrong with my pitch or with my prospecting abilities. It's usually the pitch if, if you have an audience online. Um, let's find a way to make this work for me. And you change a little bit the words. You find the problems that they have and you talk about those underlying problems that they have. And look, besides that problem of not being able to convey the value of your offers in the best way. I've noticed that salespeople, freelancers, coaches just want to rush. 
the, the sales call or the pitch in such a way that you're just making the prospect uncomfortable. So here's a reframe of how to see this process of selling your services to someone. You're not there to sell. You're there to have a conversation with someone that has a problem. And you're going to listen attentively, keyword attentively to this person. And you're going to make them feel that you care because you actually do. Because you actually want to help them and you have the solution to the problems. Now, how do you actually help yourself <laughs> be perceived as someone that cares? How do you help yourself? How do you make yourself be perceived as someone that actually pays attention to the person? You do so by asking deeper questions. You do so by understanding the underlying problem. You do so by paraphrasing what they say. You do so by asking permission before you proceed to the next section of the sales call. Simple. Do you agree with that? Is there any question that you have about this? Okay. Are you ready to talk about the other thing that I have for you? Asking permission. Always make sure that the client feels that they have the power. They don't <laughs> because the one that asks the question has the power in a sales call. But make them feel that they have the power, that they're making the decisions by themselves. Anywho, this, this takes me to the third biggest problem I noticed coaches, freelancers, even business people have when they're trying to close a deal on the phone or close a deal over whatever medium they're using. And is that they try to persuade the client into buying for them to help them solve the technical problem that they have. In this case, let's imagine that, let's go back to the, the, the person is 10, 20, 30 pounds overweight. That's a technical problem. They have 30 extra pounds. Very technical. Nobody gives a shit about having 30 pounds. What they actually care is about the emotions that 30 pounds make them feel once they take their clothes off and they see themselves in the mirror. What emotions that extra body fat and, and, and body uh, whatever they have makes them feel. If you can find those emotions, those sensations, those feelings, it will help you so much to close the deal. So stop trying, trying to solve the I'm fat uh, problem. No. Solve the low esteem problem. Solve the I hate myself problem. Solve the man, I, I cannot run with my kids because I get, I just get, ah, I lose my, 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 my breath. Solve that problem. That's the emotion that you want to find. Don't focus on the, I need to lose 20 weight, uh, 20, 20 pounds. Focus on helping people attain uh, that emotional relief. Now, the big questions arise. How do you extract this information from someone? Very simple. Once they tell you, man, I'm sick about, uh, of being obese. These 20 pounds, my joints, man, I hate about the, the pain in the joint. You tell them, how has this affected your life? Dude, I cannot even run uh, with my kids. You just found the emotion. And how does that make you feel, you ask? It disappoints me. They'll say, it makes me feel that I cannot be a good dad. And I want to be with my kids. I want to run with them. I want to go to the park and create beautiful memories with them. 
And why would you like to achieve that goal of being like creating memories? Oh, the thing is that my dad never did that with me. You just struck gold. And if you can demonstrate with your pitch that you can help them achieve that goal of being able to run with their kids at the park, you just made an extra $5,000 with a a deal that you just closed. It's not easy to achieve this kind of conversation, but with time and by asking these powerful questions and these follow-up questions, you'll be able to get those emotions and then you proceed to pitch your services in the most simple way, paraphrasing their words. John, you told me that you're struggling with losing weight and you told me that you feel that you're a little bit disappointed because you cannot run uh, with your kids on the park. And you told me that this makes you feel like you're a bad dad. And the thing is that you're very busy. You told me that you're very busy and you just don't find a way to solve that issue. So I'm in the business of making this work for you. I work with a lot of business people that are very busy that have been through similar experiences than you. And I help them achieve uh, that goal that they have. I, here's how I envision you. You will be able to run with your kids. You will be able to look at yourself in the mirror. And of course, we will, I will help you lose those 10, 20 pounds that you have overweight. Here's how. Bam, it's an eight-week coaching, 30 minutes a week. You'll have access to my platform. We'll communicate through an app that I have on my phone, whatever, blah. You get access to all of that. You can communicate with me. You can send me a couple of messages. I'll reply in within 24 hours. And what would you like to proceed after this? And then they'll say, how much? And you'll say, what I do is the following thing. People, I usually charge $7,000 for my service. But I've noticed that if people take action right here on the phone call, they're the best clients. So what I've learned is that if I give them the fast action bonus, uh, they usually are the best clients. And the fast action bonus consists of, it's an extra $2,000 discount that I give people right here on the phone call. (laughs) That's it. So if you take action right now and you get this and you start with me on this phone call, you can start for only $5,000. Are you in? You shut the fuck up. Uh, oh, sorry, man. Uh, I, for, I don't know if you care about uh, the no, cursing, fine. but you just shut your mouth up and just let them sweat bullets. If you see that they flinch, they'll have an objection. And then you start answering to, the, to these objections. Oh, let me think about it. Let me whatever. Send me a proposal. You tell them, okay, what would you like to see in this proposal? Oh, this and that. Those are the objections. Then you proceed to tell them, John, so would you rather um, have this conversation with a PDF or with me right now? You have me on the phone. I can answer to this question. Oh, that's right. How dumb. Yeah, let's start. And then you start destroying all of those objections. And by the end of the call, you just say, are you in? Oh, it's so expensive. So what about if we make this a three payment plan? So instead of paying me $5,000 in one payment, let's make this, let's say, I don't know, man. How's 5,000 between five? $1,700 per month for three months. You charge a little bit more than the $5,000, of course. Oh, okay, let's start. And then you start, you you proceed to the onboarding or whatever the hell you want to do. Sales is the process of answering questions and listening attentively and understanding the problems and then answering uh, these objections that people have. That's how you do it. Of course, I'm simplifying the process. But if you do it long enough and you understand what I'm talking about and you listen to the podcast one or two times, at least this little part that I told you about that we'll be talking about, 
money will stop being a problem if you're ever, if you're struggling to close more clients. I can assure you that if you follow through what I just told you, man, you'll be clients will be raining have, uh, on top of you. So the process you've just outlined, designed for a sales call, high ticket kind of program, but a lot of the principles very much apply in your content and in your copywriting and anything else as yes. well. It really stems from having a good product market match, knowing what it is that who your audience is struggling with, treating them and you're leveling with them, you're speaking to them as they are intelligent and being able to solve their problem and selling their ideal self. And I think I, I really like that overview that you've had and I would maybe add one step before all of that. So step zero, which is to only have that conversation with people who you can help and who are in a position to to move forward with you. Make the decision. Yeah. Yeah. Because we, yes, it's possible to fill up your calendar with call bookings and use uh, a more of a kind of manipulative sales script and try and drag people over the line by making them cry and all this stuff. But it's, it's not morally <laughs> and it's going to generate a lot of regret purchases compared to people who are ready. They have the problem. They know that you're the person to solve that problem. They just need to walk through some of the decision with you on the phone. And I think framing it in that way, as you said, is a much better way to get results for people and happier clients, more referrals, and everything just goes up from there. The moral issue is something... Let me tell you about morality and about what I think about what you just told me. I am in 100% agreement with what you said. For example, when I am pitching my own coaching service, if someone tells me like they can act, can't actually afford, I don't pressure them. Oh, I can take a loan. No, you won't take a loan to, to work with me. I have disqualified people just because of that. Same. Because I, I don't think it's a moral thing, in my opinion. I, I know salespeople that don't give a crap and they'll sell you and yeah, go into debt. I'll help you make money. I'll help you whatever. I'm not in that business. Even though I can find a way to help you make that money back, of course, if you put in the, the work, I will never tell you, like, go into debt for this. Try it yourself. And then when you make your money, come back. This all, this all makes me think about the prospecting process. How do you get people that actually are interested in your service? It's, what I'm going to tell you right now, it's not, it's not like the best approach or a, a glove that fits any hand. No. All you have to do is just ask some questions in a calendar, in, a, in Calendly or whatever schedule you're using. And you tell them like, how old are you? What's your gender? Um, what's your industry? What do you do for a living? They'll tell you if they're a graphic designer, that's not a good paying client. If they say I'm an engineer at whatever, that's a, at least you start thinking, okay, this person has money. Uh, or at least you think because that's your bias. Engineers make money. What's your biggest problem? What's your biggest struggle? What's preventing you from achieving this by yourself? These are some simple questions to start qualifying these people. And once you have them on the phone call, this is the best thing you could ever do. Listen to me attentively right now. I'm going to lower my voice. And I want you to pay attention. So when you are on a phone call with these people, the first thing 
after the building a report and having this simple conversation where you, you call me from, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Are you ready to start? Yes. This is the first thing that you, that you need to do. You need to set the table in such a way that they understand that you're going to pitch them something at the end of the call. And the process is simple. John, are you ready to get started? Yes. Before we, we proceed, here's what we're going to be covering on this phone call. Number one, we'll be talking about what you've done, what has worked, what has not worked. I'll be asking you some questions to understand if I can actually help you out. And if you feel that what I tell you, uh, how I can help you achieve those goals that you will be telling me about and those help you achieve those, uh, destroy those problems that you have, then I will proceed to let you know how we can make this happen. So if you feel that we are a good fit to work together, then I'll tell you how I can help you. You make them feel that they have, well, they have the decision at the end of the day, but you let them know that you're going to pitch something. If you don't do this, you'll be talking with someone for 30, 40, or 60 minutes. And by the end of the call, they'll tell you, what? This, is, this wasn't a free consultation call? <laughs> Sometimes that happens because everyone wants uh, the free consultation. Everyone. So by laying down the terms and the goals of the call, you let them know what you're going to do. And afterwards, to end that part, you tell them that's okay. And the only thing I want from you, John, is the following thing. It's a little favor. This is how I do it. So usually people that feel that they want to work with me, they usually answer me with the following three questions, with the following three answers. They usually say yes and Great, we start working. Sometimes they say no, and that's okay. If you feel that you this is not for you, that's okay. You won't, you won't hurt my feelings. And there's a certain type of people that say that maybe I need, maybe let me think about it. And here's the thing. All I, I would like from you, John, is the following thing. I will appreciate it if you would answer with a yes or a no. Are you okay with that? And you make them make a, commi- a commitment right there with you. This is a fantastic way to commit them into saying yes or no to avoid the maybes and to help them understand that you're going to sell them something by the end of the call. Perfect formula, in my opinion, to get that yes or get the no and avoid getting the maybes, which is to me the worst thing that can happen to you on a phone call. Maybe let me think about it. Oh, that pressure, man, that sense of, of there's something missing there's something I have pending. It's uh, that, that's, it's, um, aha. That sense, really, oh, that's a, horrible. Maybe it's basically a no in that sense. But yeah, you're right. And the, the key principles here, and I think the difference between the old school bait and switch kind of sales call is that this sets out all the expectations at the beginning. It's saying, yes. look, I'm here to help. If it's a no, that's fine. This is a, I'm going to offer you my services at the end of this. And... The, it's funny, actually, I saw on the ClickFunnels Facebook group last week, someone posting saying, hey, guys, do you know how to set up a billing thing? So it's a $1 free trial, but then after a week, it charges them $500. And you're like, great, yeah, how to get your Stripe account banned. And like, it, it's just people thinking that they can just squeeze money out of the market in some underhand way, whereas the easy way is the hard way. The easy way is offering a service that you can get a result for a client and everything else is then taken care of. Damn, that's such a scammy tactic. People forget (laughs) and then they get that (laughs) 
$500. Where did, what's this? $500? What did I sign up for? That's how you lose the clients for life. Genius. Oh, dude. I've seen something similar. Get it now for free and then pay $47. And maybe oh, it's $47, but $500 is, dude, no. <laughs> do you want a client for life or do you want someone that hates you and charges the money and, and perform, performs a chargeback? And then you're screwed because Stripe don't like those. <laughs> Yeah, that's just how to engineer headaches in your life. Jose, we've, that's been really valuable. We've covered a lot of great stuff about building your personal brand, developing your content engine, how to make sure that your message lands properly with your audience, and some stuff on taking someone through a sales call. I know we're over time, but I just wanted to ask you briefly, if you've still got time, about personal freedom. Because I think this is something that everyone is looking for, particularly this year now that remote working has opened up as a possibility for everyone. People are realizing that actually if you're living in London or New York or somewhere like that and you're like under a lockdown situation, all that's happening is you're just paying expensive rent to live in a concrete place that's not very sociable and realizing that actually you can have a much better lifestyle working remotely. How has that impacted your life since earlier on when you were doing nine to five and then freelancing? And what do you have to say to the audience about personal freedom? Lockdowns made me so much money that I cannot tell you, man. It will blow your mind, which is such a crappy thing to say out loud. So I'm going to slap myself. The reason I believe this lockdown has been a blessing for me, even though what's a crappy thing to say, is that I decided to make it a blessing. It's not that the the COVID and the lockdowns made me more profitable. It is not that uh, the virus made me more rich. No, it's that I decided I was not going to let any lockdown screw up my chances of winning and succeeding. And I made the decision to, how do you say this thing, create lemonades with the lemons? I, yeah. I, I, I don't know how to say it. Yeah, well, you know what I'm saying. So if, if life gives you lemon, you make lemonade. In this case, the lemonade had COVID inside, but that's the way it is. That's the way it is. So let, you're talking about personal freedom. That's a hard question to answer because everyone has their own idea of what freedom is. So I'll just tell you what freedom looks to me. Freedom looks to me as being able to oversleep, wake up at 10 a.m. and know that I made money while I, was, while I was sleeping. Knowing that if I want to make more money today, all I have to do is tweet a couple of times, post something online, and I made more money. If I want to make more money, I, I could just crank up the ad spending and I'll make a little bit more money for me to be able to enjoy my free time without thinking about money. Because I'm making enough to be sure that I'm not thinking about it. That's how I define personal freedom, being able to enjoy my free time without thinking about money. And of course, that translates to being with my family, being with my kids, being able to have these types of conversation with people that I meet online without thinking about, oh, what's the next thing I have to do? And without, man, I don't remember the last time I've been under the clock. Oh, I need to hurry to get to this place. I'm living the dream right now. For years, I've, dreamt about not being beholden 
by the the phone by the clock. I now live in that. I don't. I rarely know what time is it during the day. I don't care. That's、oh, how I define freedom. That's how I define freedom. Of course, I still have to work a little bit more to make sure that freedom that I currently have stays like that. Because people think, oh, I you achieve that and that's it. No, it's harder to stay <laughs> afloat than than actually achieving that. So, I'm trying to work my ass off for the next until I'm forty. So I have the next seven years to become a millionaire. So I can live off all of the millions I made. I don't like working. I don't like it. I prefer to be sleeping. I prefer to be just messing around and reading and and studying and doing whatever the hell I want without thinking about money. And without thinking about work, so, but the thing is that if I don't overcome that feeling of "fuck this shit" or that feeling of "I don't want to do this," who will do that for me? I'm the only one who can do that for myself. So I took, in this case, let's go back to COVID. I took this as an opportunity to make more money. I saw that people wanted to learn how to make money online. I wanted. I saw that coaches needed some coaching to learn how to coach. <laughs> I saw that, and I started sending cold DMs to people. Hey, John, this is literally someone named John that I close as a, as a coaching client. Hey, John, I like your tweets. Whatever you talk about my, my magnesium, and I didn't drink my magnesium. <laughs> Thank you for that. I just drank it because of you, and I literally showed him the the bottle of magnesium because I recorded a a, a, a video and I sent it to him. So we, let's have a quick chat about how I can help you with your coaching or whatever because I noticed that you do that. And I had the, the, the sales meeting two days later, and I made my five thousand dollars from the coaching just like that on a phone call. All because I said to myself, "I'm not going to die from hunger because I cannot go outside." Thankfully, I have the skills to be able to do this in the online、um, realm. But at the end of the day, what's the difference between online and offline? That online is easier, like way easier. You think it's harder, but it's so much simpler. Dude, before you had to go and knock on doors and have conversations with people you had no idea who they were、uh, because you didn't know, you didn't have access to the Facebook or to Instagram or to their LinkedIn account to, or to their website to understand who they are. Today you have all of that information for free, and they give it up for free, and you can use that information that they're throwing to the world. To be able to speak with them with authority, because you know what some of the problems that they have, because they talk about it online. It's easier, and it's faster. You don't have to knock on doors. All you have to do is send an email or send a direct message, or like me, if you're more adventurous, <laughs> record a video and send it to them and tell them, "Hey, I have some ideas about how can I help, how I can help you achieve X, Y, or C." If you were free for the in this week. Let me know, and I'll send you a, a link to my scheduler, and we can schedule a call at the time that fits better your your current agenda or whatever. That's all you have to do. Now you have to be more adventurous and more、uh, open to embarrassment. But dude, it's a small price. Who else is going to do that? It's a most small price. Who gives a shit about embarrassment? Especially when you win. When you win, all of those losses, people see that as inspiration. You, I remember watching the the documentary of Michael Jordan, and how they lost one of those years, and how he lost so many times before he, he and his team, Chicago Bulls, became like the best team ever. Six rings, six、uh, championships won because of the great effort of 
the, the full team. But before of that, all of that, so many missed shots, so many failures, so many struggles, pain, blood, sweat, and a lot of frustration. But then he won and everyone forgot about all, all of the missed shots because that's what happens when you win. You are embarrassed for a time, then you win and everyone forgets about that, even you. And then you have your story, your hero's journey. Look at all the shit I went through and now look at me. Look at me, baby. I'm living the dream. So people love that story. People love that success story. People love the underdog. People love the journey of how you were a stupid little skinny, ugly little guy and then became huge, strong, confident, which is usually what happens with personal trainers. They were like ugly little skinny guys that then be, that they become fit, good looking, whatever. They grow a beard or whatever. And now they want to help other people achieve that same stuff. Usual, that's the usual hero's journey of a lot of fitness trainers. They were bullied. <laughs> they became fit because they don't want to be bullied ever again. And it's also similar with the mixed martial arts. A lot of people get into mixed martial arts because they were bullied when they were kids. And then they talk about that and people find inspiration on the bullet kid that is bully no more. So that's how you do it, man. That's uh, it. Risk oh. embarrassment because that's the price, the entry cost. And the bullying lights a fire under the little dweeby kid that has now started to do that. So the, your description of freedom there is really inspiring. And I think there's a lot of people that are probably making more money than you, but don't have the same level of internal freedom. And I think we need to have a little hat tip to the fact that there is an internal shift as well that happens, not only with, yes, the, the freedom in your day of being able to sleep in, and but also to recognise that actually, like, it's this is my choice now, and I can choose to work or I can choose not to. And the amount of return on my input is determined by me. And I think even if someone has less objective freedom in, in the outside world, just making that shift and saying, actually, the way that I'm choosing to spend my time is conscious and I'm doing this because I want to and be doing this, not doing this because I don't want to, just opens up a bit of space to smell the roses and enjoy life as it is. Perfectly summarised. Yeah, man, this has been a wonderful chat. Thank you very much for making the time, Jose. How can we find out more about you? You can find me at Jose Rosado on Twitter. And unfortunately, you can find me on Instagram with at Jose Rosado HQ. Man, I, I, but yeah. make up for the bad Instagram title with the best domain in the world. Oh, yeah. Rosa.do. <laughs> which is funny because the, the, the old domain is from Dominican Republic. And I'm from Dominican Republic. And I designed the page where you buy the, the, the old domain. Did you? Cool. cool. So it's a great coincidence. You can find me Rosa.do, at Jose Rosado on Twitter, at Jose Rosado HQ on Instagram. And here's something. I have a bounty. Anyone that can help me get the at Rosado on Instagram will get $2,000. That's a bounty. <laughs> okay? I've, done, I've said this in three podcasts. I think this is the fourth time I've said it. So I'm going to say it until I get the at, at Jose Rosado. $2,000 for free, just for getting me that contact to get the, the freaking at Jose Rosado, man. I'm investing so much go. time and effort and money on that. And I need the at Jose Rosado, man. I just need it. <laughs> so listening to this podcast. If anyone can help me out, that's free $2,000, man. 
can be the most profitable podcast you've ever listened to. If you know the guy who owns Jose Rosado <laughs> Instagram. Instagram? Free, then, it's okay, man. Then just go to his house, put a bag over his head, bash him about a bit, <laughs> and just mysteriously get the username and password and there's your $2,000. <laughs> oh man, I wish I had that at Jose Rosado. I regret not getting into Instagram <laughs> sooner, but that's the way it is. There we go. Jose, thank you for coming on. Hopefully we can do more of these. I'm going to invite you to my podcast real soon. Thank you, my man. Youssef, I really enjoyed the conversation. Have a great day. Want to learn more about the systems we use to run, build, and scale propanefitness.com? Head over to propanefitness.com forward slash business podcast and you can get your hands on our free training that covers the seven steps that we take with every client that we help build their own online business and also the seven steps that we use to successfully build Propane Fitness. We walk through the sales systems, the delivery systems, follow-up, remarketing, how to basically build your program so that it delivers coaching to your clients without you being there 24-7. We really do cover the full thing, right? And if you want to continue even further and potentially work with us, there's a chance to book in a call to have an informal chat with Yusuf or I to just basically see if any of our programs would be a fit to help you get from where you are to where you want to get to. So go to propanefitness.com forward slash business podcast today and get access to that. If you'd like to learn just more about Yusuf and I, more about us, what we do, follow us on the various channels, the best place to go is our YouTube channel. We have a load of stuff from fitness content, productivity content, why Yusuf slept on the floor for several months, why he's been having cold showers. There's always stuff on there that's entertaining and hopefully informative. So just go to YouTube, search for Propane Fitness, and you can find out a bit more about us there as well. Speak to you on the next episode.